Welcome to Students Over Systems, a podcast that celebrates education and freedom. I'm your host, Jenny Gentles. At Students Over Systems, we talk with the creators, advocates, and beneficiaries of education freedom. On today's episode, we're focusing on parent empowerment and school choice in Texas. For this important conversation about education's freedom's future in Texas, we're joined by Mandy Drogan, Campaign Director of Next Generation Texas. Mandy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, Mandy, let's dig right into what's going on in in Texas. You all are in the midst of a special legislative session. Uh, Talk to us about the education freedom proposal that is being debated in Texas right now. Sure. We're debating education savings accounts for every single parent here in Texas to have access and most importantly, the opportunity to truly select the school that will best serve their child. So, you know, if you're like a lot of parents in Texas, like myself, you can pick up and move to an excellent public school system, which is exactly what I did when my six-year-old was preparing to start kindergarten last year. Or if you're a parent that has the resources to write a check for a private school, then you have choice. But the reality is, is that the majority of parents in Texas, they don't have that ability. They are on, they live in a home with their families and their children, and they are assigned a school simply based on the street that they live on, regardless of if that's the best educational environment for their child. So what the parent empowerment movement is here, it, it's made up of four key pillars that results in a parent being the ultimate decision maker in their child's education. The first is that Transparency. Every parent has the right to know what's being taught in their classroom and why. That is really, really important. We've seen in here in Texas, but also across the country where parents really got a look into their classrooms a few years ago and they realized, oh my goodness, uh, either the, the curriculum is not aligned with my values or it's just not on grade level or whatever it is. Transparency into the classrooms, into the libraries, what's being taught and why. Number two is quality. Every single child, regardless of their income, regardless of the street they live on, every child deserves access to a high quality education. You know, here in Texas, we have a real crisis of quality. We listened to the commissioner of the Texas Education Agency testify last year in front of the House Public Education uh, Committee and tell them, he said the quiet part out loud. He said, we did an internal audit across Texas and found that just 19%, 19% of our curriculum in our public education classrooms is on grade level. That means 81% of being ta- of what is being taught is not on grade level. It is a crisis of low expectations. There are far too many administrators and quite frankly, some teachers that just look at children and say, you can't learn this, so we're not going to teach it. And that has resulted in over 50% of our kids not reading on grade level, 60% not doing math on grade level. And we have to ensure that every parent has high quality education for their children. So transparency, quality, and then respect respect for parents as the ultimate decision maker for their child's education. We've seen parents that have been drug out of school board meetings in handcuffs, in tears, their microphones shut off. Parents are trying to fight back. They want the school system to show them the respect that they deserve. They want to ensure that their children are getting a great education to launch them into the future. That respect is crucial for every parent. And then finally, the fourth pillar of the parent empowerment movement is choice. 
Parents must be empowered with the choice of where to send their child. And if they are not given transparency into their classroom, a high quality education for their children, the respect that they deserve as the ultimate decision maker, they must be empowered with the choice to select the school that will best serve their child and prepare their child to launch into the future. That's what the parent empowerment movement is about. And this special session right now that the governor has called them back, the legislature back on, they are arguing or debating or planning to pass education savings accounts so that every parent will have those four pillars of the parent empowerment movement, transparency, quality, respect, and choice of where to send their child. Okay. Well, Mandy, you already have school choice in in Texas. There are charter schools. There's some uh, element of open enrollment. Um, Why do we need this additional expansion of school choice? It's not enough. It's not enough. Here in Texas, we do have some forms of public school choice. So as you noted, we have a robust public charter school system. Um, But unfortunately, there's over 70,000 kids that are on wait lists to get into excellent public charter schools. So, and we've been fighting amongst the State Board of Education that approves those charter school expansions and opening because they have been getting pushback from the unions, the same people that fight against parents, to stop approving our public charter schools who are doing great. Again, 70,000 kids on those. We have magnet schools that are doing excellent, but they decline 75% of applicants. Only 25% of kids that apply to our magnet schools in Texas actually get in. Only 3% of our kids are actually Uh, utilizing magnet schools. Same thing for open enrollment. Some districts allow open enrollment, but we know that that's not happening enough. Some districts in Texas are actually charging tuition for kids. They do the same application process that a lot of our private schools are doing. The same private schools that the establishment, the education cabal, if you will, that stand against parents, they are allowing public schools, even with open seats, to charge tuition as high as $14,000. Just south of me in San Antonio, there's a school district there, Alamo Heights. They're charging $14,000 this year if your child wants to cross over some arbitrary imaginary boundary that says that you're in this school district and they're saying you have to charge 14,000, pay $14,000. Lovejoy ISD is charging $9,000. It's insane that we have these districts with open seats that are providing a high quality education. And they're saying it's for our kids, but not yours. And the same time they're saying you can't do any of this for education savings accounts. So what the parent empowerment movement is pushing, what we're advocating for is that Any parent, every parent, every child should have access to robust options. We should not have waiting lists in our public charter schools. If there are charter schools that are doing great, let's figure out how to support them and expand them. If there are public schools that are doing great and there are open seats and it does not harm the school to allow children from out of district, maybe their parents even work in the district. Maybe their parents work at a business in the community. They should be able to utilize that school. That's what parent empowerment is about. And introducing private school options with education savings accounts or for our homeschool communities or for our workforce development opportunities 
All of this can be benefited and used by the public. And that's what we're fighting for. Every child should be on a path in the educational environment that best serves them. Parents know what their children need. They love them the most. They want what's best for them the most. And that's what we're pushing for. Okay, so I hear you saying that there is high demand for the existing public school choice options. What's polling saying as far as what parents want in Texas? That's a great question. So polling across the board, whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, the majority of people want to see school choice. In Texas, for Republicans, it's 88% of our primary, our Republican primary voters, they took to the ballots in the 2022 primaries and they voted overwhelmingly. 88% of Republicans said, we support school choice. That's suburban, urban, rural areas, 88%. When we look at Democrats, we can see that it's over 62% of Democrats that support this here in Texas. Nationally, it's at 68% that support it. Nationally, I would say the reason that a lot of Democrats support it is 31 other states have private school choice and it benefits them. It benefits these kids who oftentimes their parents, their family vote on uh, in Democrat elections, in Democrat primaries, and they say this is good for our communities too. So again, here in Texas, a majority of parents support it nationally 68 percent of people support it on the that vote democrat and 67 percent of independents support it it is wildly popular the only people that stand in the way of this are those that stand to benefit from controlling the money in our public education system and here in texas that's what we have going on right now and that's what we're fighting against okay well i keep hearing that texas schools are underfunded so clearly they need to keep control of, of this, this funding. They have so little. Listen, that for me, Mandy. I, so um, per the Texas Education Agency expenditures for our 2021 through 2022 uh, school year, we're spending $15,707 per child in a Texas public school. We've made it even better. So we're spending about just so we, we look at the totality of that. That's about $85 billion a year on our public school system. Then this year, the legislature put in even more. And I'm proud to say, happy to say, excited to say, as a public school parent, the governor signed into law the largest public education increase when they appropriated $10.3 billion additional dollars to our public education system. So we are at over $95 billion that is going into our public education system. When you break that down by the numbers, that's an additional $1,900 per student going into public education. So this narrative that we are underfunded is False. What the problem is, is we can look at our per pupil funding. We can look at it from the National, uh, the Department of Education and the National Center of Education Statistics. And we can see that even when adjusted for inflation, even when adjusted for inflation since 1970, Texas has increased our per pupil spending by 166%. That's great. Here's the problem. When we look at the same numbers, the same data, we can see that we've only increased teacher pay by 16%. What does that tell us? There are a whole lot of hands in the public education taxpayer-funded cookie jar that have figured out ways to redirect money to everything other than our teachers. 
we know that the two most important indicators of a child's success in school is number one, their parents, and number two, the teacher inside their classroom. We have a system that's set up to cap teacher pay that if you want to make more money, our excellent teachers are being told, go into administration. We see massive administrative bloat. We have superintendents in the state of Texas that are making over half a million dollars, more than $500,000 a year, plus perks and benefits on top of that. For districts that have less than 50% of their kids reading on grade level. That is what is going on here. And then they have lots of assistant superintendents, a lot of administrative bloat. Look, our priorities are out of whack. The way that we are spending the money is completely wrong. And empowering parents empowers teachers. We can push back. As a public school parent, I want the teachers to know, look, we are standing. I am fighting for you, my child's first grade teacher. I want you to be receiving the money, not these profiteers that keep directing money out of our classrooms and away from our kids' education. Okay, we're talking close to... 95 billion, you said, for public K-12 education in the state. Uh, Tell us about the size of the proposal, the education savings account proposal that's being debated right now in the Texas legislature. Sure. So right now we know that we have money appropriated that's in the budget that did not come out of our public school funds. I want to add that completely separate pots of money. But we have allocated or and appropriated $500 million. So we're talking about we put $10.3 billion additional dollars into our system. And then we also said we can afford to allow parents, we can give $500 million out of our general revenue fund to empower parents that need an alternative to their government assigned school for whatever reason, that they can utilize these education savings accounts and use these ESAs to fund their child's education, whether that's at a private school, a home school, workforce development for our high schoolers that want to maybe go into plumbing or HVAC or oil and gas or whatever it is. So the governor has already signed $500 million into law that can be used for ESAs. We've got the $500 million that's not in the K-12 public education pot. That's right. This is a separate fund that's already been allocated, completely separate, already been allocated in the state budget. And the proposal is to use it for these education savings accounts, ESAs. Mm -hmm. Uh, The beneficiaries could be families who are choosing to send their children to a private school, also children who are homeschooled. Uh, Tell us about the homeschooling community in Texas and and what you're hearing from them about the proposal. Yeah, sure. So the majority of homeschoolers, it's over 70%, according to the largest homeschool association, the Texas Homeschool Coalition. It's the largest, broadest movement respected homeschool organization here in Texas. They have, I want to say, nearly 200,000 families that are members of their um, organization. They overwhelmingly support the ability to use education savings accounts for homeschooling expenditures. We're talking curriculum, testing, 
co-curriculars, tutoring, assessments, a whole host of approved educational goods and services that could benefit our homeschooling communities who, you know, make a lot of sacrifices to homeschool their children and give them the education that is a high quality education and aligns with their values. And so those communities are overwhelmingly supportive. Now, there are some in the homeschooling communities that say, no, 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 we don't want this. And we respect that. We as parents, as advocates for ESA say, we get it. As someone with a healthy distrust of government myself, I understand those families that say, nah, I don't want it. And the good news is this ESA is 100% opt-in. It is 100% opt-in. If you don't want it, don't touch it. I get it. We're not forcing anything on anyone, not on private schools, not on parents in public schools, and not on homeschoolers. But also it's really important when we're talking about the homeschool concerns and just other people in Texas's concerns. I want to point out that the funding for education savings accounts, it comes directly out of general revenue. There is absolutely no federal dollars attached to this. That is incredibly important. Whatever's going on there in D.C. right now and has been in the past, it is bonkers. We want no part of that. I understand families that say, no, no. I understand private schools that are like, I don't want that. We've already heard several of the private schools that are like, we got caught with Head Start money and they tried to push all their wackadoo ideas down into us. No, thank you. Good news, education savings account use absolutely zero federal dollars. They have no ability to put any sort of strings attached on this money. Also great news, this legislation that we are pushing, as you know, Jenny, has been argued multiple times in front of the Supreme Court. It is absolutely constitutional. There is a level of protection that protects the autonomy, the practices, the curriculum, every other aspect of homeschoolers, as well as private schools who decide to use it. So again, we understand valid concerns. No one is saying you have to utilize this if you don't want to. Don't. But it is important that we continue to support the those families who say, I need something better for my child. I need access to education savings accounts so that I can put my child in the educational environment that will best serve them. And speaking to parents who need something better uh, for their child and whose needs aren't being met, uh, our um, policy director at the Independent Women's Forum moved from Florida to Texas. She has a child with special needs. And she, like many parents of, of children of special needs, was surprised to move to Texas and find, I don't have the choices that I had back in the other state. Florida uh, has offered for a long time education savings accounts for students with special needs. They've now expanded that to universal. Texas completely abandons families with students with special needs. It's known that you guys don't do a very good job. Uh, that has been documented in, in various places. Um, tell us how this would help families with uh, students with disabilities. Absolutely. So I'm sure that was a big shock. You know, we look to Florida quite a bit and consider them kind of a sister state, right? We're the beacon of freedom for the entire nation to look to. And unfortunately, Texas has fallen decades behind Florida. You know, Florida passed um, private school choice back in 2002. It was implemented in 2003. And it's been wild 
wildly successful. Hence the reason we just saw them go to quote universal school choice, because we have seen that this benefits communities, particularly our low income demographics and our special needs communities. As you noted, oftentimes public schools, even though they are legally mandated to provide certain services, oftentimes they are falling short. And there is no secret here in Texas that we have struggled for our special needs communities. You know, in 2021, after the COVID shutdowns, the governor, in his wisdom, he saw that our special needs communities were struggling. He put into place using the CARES Act gear funding, where the governor had governors from all across the state had money available to help educational providers in whatever way they needed. He put on his list a top priority was the special needs community. And so he passed the Supplemental Special Education Services Grants. Those were $1,500 grants for parents whose children were not receiving their services at that specific time because of shutdowns due to COVID. And he said, mom and dad, you're in charge. Go get what you need from approved goods and services, whatever it's tutoring or therapies or um, educational goods that can be used in your home, whatever it is, go do that. It was so successful. It was started in January of 2021. And then it, it took off like gangbusters. Parents were, thank you, please continue to do this. So a couple months later, we were in session because we're in a biennium here in Texas. That's how our legislator operate, our legislature operates every two years they're in. We were in session and the legislature in a bipartisan fashion codified the SSES grants. We passed SB 19, uh, excuse me, 17, 16, 1716, SB 1716, for the SSES grants. And those codified those grants for parents to be able to use them. They've been incredibly successful. 70,000 families have benefited from that form of private school choice. Parents got to take these grants and ensure that they were able to get the tutoring and the services that their children need. There's 30,000 kids on wait lists for that. Same thing here in Texas. We're trying to talk about that our low income and special needs communities. So to the special needs um, community, she probably knew that in Florida, when they passed these um, private school choice options there, what we saw, particularly for a lot of our rural communities, was this notion of mainstreaming our special needs kids, which became really popular several decades ago. You know, put them in the classroom and we'll do the best we can and they'll catch up. They'll be with their peers. This whole idea, it's going to be great. A lot of parents realize that wasn't so great when you've got a kid with autism or dyslexia or any number of other special needs. They actually need to be in an environment and with educators that specialize in that, which here in Texas, we have over 50 private schools that specialize for special needs students. And in Florida, we saw, we went and looked at the data and we found that in a lot of the rural communities, you had special needs teachers that specialized in that. They were trained and they opened up private schools, small little private schools in the center of a town where that other communities could drive in and get their children the specialized help they needed, particularly for those families that even though you're legally guaranteed all these rights, they still weren't getting it. They were unhappy. And we saw that that really does serve our special education kids. And that's what we want to see here in Texas with these ESA um, education savings accounts for families. All right, Mandy, as we as we wrap up, what can parents like Heather Madden do to support the effort to expand education freedom and uh, create ESAs in in Texas? What can they do? How can they get engaged? 
make their voices heard. The most important thing, the reason we are here today is because thousands upon thousands upon thousands of parents, grandparents, taxpayers see how how beneficial education savings accounts can be to the entire system. And they called and they wrote and they tweeted their legislators and they supported the governor's announcements. They are telling the public, they are sharing that this is really important. So you can do a couple of things. You can go to txparentsmatter.com. That's txparentsmatter.com. You can click on the link, take action, and that tees up information for you to reach out and connect with your senator and your House of Representative members. And you, it, it gives you um, an email template where that you can edit and make it in your own voice. It gives you a phone template so you can call, including their office phone numbers. It gives you a tweet that you can tweet at them if you're on social media. We also have something called School Choice Sunday coming up this, or excuse me, it's actually School Choice Sunday has taken place on October 15th, but there's a lot of great information that we're trying to get out to our faith community to say, stand with your leaders. We can also say that just showing up in the, at the Capitol, which I know can be hard to do, but show up and just knock on their doors and tell them, I'm here, you can do this. We can encourage our legislators, those few holdouts that are really concerned. Look, This is not a philosophical aversion. I have never met one person that in their core believe that a parent should not be making. Well, let me take that back. I did hear Senator Whitmer yesterday or last week testifying that, come on, some parents can't do this. They're not smart enough. Can we acknowledge that? It's nonsense. The majority of people across the state of Texas know that parents should be the ultimate decision maker, including your House of Representative representative. That's what they're there for is to represent you. Tell them to represent you. Tell them to stand with parents. Tell them to stand for freedom and encourage them to take what some people think is a hard vote against unions and educrats. They can do it. We can do it. If everybody stands together, parents we will bring education freedom to Texas and no longer have to lag behind Florida and 30 other states that have passed parental freedom and education freedom for their students. Oh, Mandy, I I hope that things go well, but I know that you've got a governor who's going to ensure that that things go well. So uh, thank goodness for that, that leadership there. Last question for you. We've been tackling a lot of myths today, but what is, what is your favorite myth? And I mean, What is the myth that bothers you the most about education freedom and that you want to dispel? Sure. That anyone that's supporting education freedom wishes to do harm or that in any way that this will harm a public school district. It does not. I am a public school mother. I love to know that my school listens to me and I am blessed that if they don't, I can leave. But what we want to see is that we can fully fund our public schools. We can support our teachers and our administrators to push back against a lot of the culture wars and the wasteful spending that is pushed down from them from outside their districts. We can stand together in supporting parents and teachers, empowering them with education savings accounts will change the course of the entire system here in Texas. All right. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for talking with us here today on Students Over Systems and for all that you're doing to expand parent empowerment and school choice in Texas. Thank you for having me.
We hope listeners found today's conversation informative and encouraging. If you enjoyed this episode of Students Over Systems, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to share this episode with your friends, especially your friends in Texas. To learn more about the work of the IWF Education Freedom Center, please go to iwf.org EFC. Thank you for listening to Students Over Systems. Until next time, keep celebrating education freedom and brighter futures.